Hi, I'm Jane Austier, and this is Doing It By The Book. This podcast is going to contain some pretty explicit content. If you're under 18, you'd better stop listening and go ask your parents. Hey there, it's Jane, and this is episode 5 and chapter 3 of Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm recording on Thursday, June 26, 2014. So, after Anna's so-called tense second interaction with Christian in chapter two has moved the plot sufficiently along to hopefully more exciting things. The question in everyone's minds is what will happen at the photo shoot? Will there be even more sexual tension or will Anna shrug him off and go on with her life? leaving the next 500 pages of the book for Anna to pursue her dreams and not worry about guys so much. Well, I'll let you guys figure that one out. So, without further ado, this is Chapter 3 of Fifty Shades of Grey. Enjoy. Chapter 3. Kate is ecstatic. But what was he doing at Clayton's? Her curiosity oozes through the phone. I'm in the depths of the stockroom, trying to keep my voice casual. He was in the area. I think that is one huge coincidence, Anna. You don't think he was there to see you. My heart lurches at the prospect. But it's a short-lived joy. The dull, disappointing reality is that he was there on business. He was visiting the farming division of WSU. He's funding some research, I mutter. Oh, yes, he's given the department $2.5 million grant. Wow. How do you know this? Anna, I'm a journalist, and I've written a profile on the guy. It's my job to know this. Okay, Carla Bernstein, keep your hair on. So, do you want these photos? Of course I do. The question is, who's going to do them and where? We can ask him where. He says he's staying in the area. You can contact him? I have his cell phone number. Kate gasps. The richest, most elusive, most enigmatic bachelor in Washington State just gave you his cell phone number. Er, yes? Anna! He likes you, no doubt about it. Her tone is emphatic. Kate, he was just trying to be nice. But even as I say the words, I know they're not true. Christian Gray doesn't do nice. He does polite, maybe. And a small, quiet voice whispers, Perhaps Kate is right. My scalp perkles at the idea that maybe, just maybe, he might like me. After all, he did say he was glad Kate didn't do the interview. I hug myself with quiet glee, rocking from side to side, entertaining the possibility that he might like me. Kate brings me back to the now. I don't know who will get to do the the photo shoot. Levi, our regular photographer, can't. He's home in Idaho Falls for the weekend. He'll be pissed he blew this opportunity to photograph one of America's leading entrepreneurs. Hmm, what about Jose? Great idea. You ask him. He'll do anything for you. Then call Gray and find out where he wants us. Kate is irritatingly cavalier about Jose. I think you should call him. Who, Jose? Kate scoffs. No, Gray. Anna, you're the one with the relationship. Relationship? I squeak at her, my voice rising several octaves. I barely know the guy. 
At least you've met him, she says bitterly. And it looks like he wants to know you better. Anna, just call him, she snaps and hangs up. She is so bossy sometimes. I frown at myself, sticking my tongue out at it. I'm just leaving a message for Jose when Paul enters the stockroom looking for sandpaper. We're kind of busy out there, Anna, he says without acronymity. Yeah, I'm sorry, I mutter, turning to leave. So how come you know Christian Gray? Paul's voice is unconvincingly nonchalant. I had to interview him for our student newspaper. Kate wasn't well, I shrug, trying to sound casual and doing no better than him. Christian Gray in Clayton's. Go figure, Paul snorts, amazed. He shakes his head as if to clear it. Anyway, want to grab a drink or something this evening? Whenever he's home, he asks me on a date, and I always say no. It's a ritual. I've never considered it a good idea to date the boss's brother. And besides, Paul is cute in a wholesome, all-American, boy-next-door kind of way. But he's no literary hero, not by any stretch of the imagination. Is Gray? My subconscious asks me, her eyebrow figuratively raised. I slap her down. Don't you have a family dinner or something for your brother? That's tomorrow. Maybe some other time, Paul. I need to study tonight. I have my finals next week. Anna, one of these days you'll say yes. He smiles as I escape to the store floor. But I do places, Anna, not people, Jose groans. Jose, please, I beg. I pace the living room of our apartment, clutching my cell and staring out the window at the fading evening light. Give me that phone. Kate grabs the handset from me, tossing her silken reddish blonde hair over her shoulder. Listen here, Jose Rodriguez. If you want our newspaper to cover the opening of your show, you'll do the shoot for us tomorrow, capiche? Kate can be awesomely tough. Good. And we'll call back with the location and the call time. We'll see you tomorrow. She snaps my cell phone off. Sorted. All we need to do is now is decide where and when. Call him. She holds the phone out to me. My stomach twists. Call Gray now. I scowl at her and reach into my back pocket for his business card. I take a deep, steadying breath, and with shaking fingers, I dial the number. He answers on the second ring. His tone is clipped, calm, and cold. Gray. Er, Mr. Gray? It's Anastasia Steele. I don't recognize my own voice. I'm so nervous. There's a brief pause. Inside, I'm quaking. Miss Steele, how nice to hear from you. His voice has changed. He's surprised, I think, and he sounds so warm, seductive, even. My breath hitches, and I flush. I'm suddenly conscious that Catherine Cavanaugh is staring at me, her mouth open, and I dart into the kitchen to avoid her unwanted scrutiny. Um, we'd like to go ahead with the photo shoot for the article. Breathe, Anna, breathe. My lungs drag in a hasty breath. Tomorrow, if that's okay, where would be convenient for you, sir? I can almost hear his sphinx-like smile through the phone. I'm staying at the Heathman in Portland. Shall we say 9.30 tomorrow morning? Okay, we'll see you there. I'm all gushing and breathy, like a child, not a grown woman who can vote and drink legally in the state of Washington. I look forward to it, Miss Steele. I visualize, visualize the wicked gleam in his eyes. How can he make even seven, seven little words hold so much tantalizing promise? I hang up. Kate is in the kitchen, and she's staring at me with a look of complete and utter consternation on her face. Anastasia Rose Steele. You like him? 
I have never seen or heard you so, so affected by anyone before. You're actually blushing. Oh, Kate, you know I blush all the time. It's an occupational hazard with me. Don't be ridiculous, I snap. She blinks at me with surprise. I very rarely have hissy fits, and I briefly relent. I, I just find him intimidating, that's all. Heathman, that figures, mutters Kate. I'll give the manager a call and negotiate a space for the shoot. I'll make supper. Then I need to study. I cannot hide my irritation with her as I open one of the cupboards to make supper. I am restless that night, tossing and turning, dreaming of smoky gray eyes, coveralls, long legs, long fingers, and dark, dark unexplored places. I wake twice in the night, my heart pounding. Oh, I'm going to look just great tomorrow with so little sleep, I scold myself. I punch my pillow and try to settle. The Heathman is nestled in the heart of downtown Portland. Its impressive brownstone edifice was completed just in time for the crash of the late 1920s. Jose, Travis, and I are traveling in my Beetle, and Kate is in her CLK, since we can't all fit in my car. Travis is Jose's friend and gopher, here to help out with the lighting. Kate has managed to acquire the use of a room at the Heathman free of charge for the morning in exchange for a credit in the article. When she explains at reception that we're here to photograph Christian Gray, CEO, we are instantly upgraded to a suite. Just a regular-sized suite, however, as apparently Mr. Gray is already occupying the largest one in the building. An over-keen marketing executive shows up to the suite. He's terribly young and very nervous for some reason. I suspect Kate's beauty and commanding manner disarm him, because he's putty in her hands. The rooms are elegant, understated, and opulently furnished. It's nine. We have half an hour to set up. Kate is in full flow. Jose, I think we'll shoot against that wall. Do you agree? She doesn't wait for his reply. Travis, clear the chairs. Anna, could you ask housekeeping to bring up some refreshments and let Gray know we are here? Yes, mistress. She's so domineering. I roll my eyes, but do as I'm told. Half an hour later, Christian Gray walks into our suite. Holy crap. He's wearing a white shirt open at the collar and a gray flannel pants that hang from his hips. His unruly hair is still damp from a shower. My mouth goes dry looking at him. He's so freaking hot. Gray is followed into the suite by a man in his mid-thirties, all buzz cut and stubble in a sharp dark suit and tie who stands silently in the corner. His hazel eyes watch us impassively. Miss Steele, we meet again. Cray extends his hand, and I shake it, blinking rapidly. Oh my, he really is quite... As I touch his hand, I'm aware of the delicious current running right through me, lighting me up and making me blush, and I'm sure my erratic breathing must be audible. Mr. Gray, this is Catherine Cavanaugh, I mutter, waving a hand over toward Kate, who comes forward, looking him squarely in the eye. The tenacious Miss Cavanaugh. How do you do? He gives her a small smile, looking genuinely amused. I trust you're feeling better. Anastasia said you were unwell last week. I'm fine. Thank you, Mr. Gray. She shakes his hand firmly without batting an eyelid. I remind myself that Kate has been to the best private schools in Washington. Her family has money, and she's grown up confident and sure of her place in the world. She doesn't take any crap. I am in awe of her. Thank you for taking this time to do this, she gives him a polite professional smile. It's a pleasure, he answers, turning his gaze on me, and I flush again. Damn it. 
This is Jose Rodriguez, our photographer, I say, grinning at Jose, who smiles with affection back at me. His eyes cool when he looks from me to Gray. Mr. Gray, he nods. Mr. Rodriguez, Gray's expression changes too as he appraises Jose. Where would you like me? Gray asks him. His tone sounds vaguely threatening, but Catherine is not about to let Jose run the show. Mr. Gray, if you could sit here, please. Be careful of the lighting cables, and then we'll do a few standing, too. She directs him to a chair set up against the wall. Travis switches on the lights, momentarily blinding Gray, and mutters an apology. Then Travis and I stand back and watch as Jose proceeds to snap away. He takes several photographs, handheld, asking Gray to turn this way, then that, then move his arm, then put it down. Moving to the tripod, Jose takes several more while Gray sits and poses, patiently and naturally, for about 20 minutes. My wish has come true. I stand and admire Gray from not so far. Twice our eyes lock, and I have to tear myself away from his cloudy gaze. Enough sitting, Catherine wades in again. Standing, Mr. Gray, she asks. He stands, and Travis scurries to remove the chair. The shutter on Jose's Nikon starts clicking again. I think we have enough, Jose announces five minutes later. Great, says Kate. Thank you again, Mr. Gray, she shakes his hand, as does Jose. I look forward to reading the article, Miss Cavanaugh, murmurs Gray, and turns to me, standing by the door. Will you walk with me, Miss Steele, he asks. Sure, I say, completely thrown. I glance anxiously at Kate, who shrugs at me. I notice Jose scowling behind her. Good day to you all, says Gray as he opens the door, standing aside to allow me out first. Holy hell, what's this about? What does he want? I pause in the hotel corridor, fidgeting nervously as Gray emerges from the room, followed by Mr. Buzzcut in his sharp suit. I'll call you Taylor, he murmurs to Buzzcut. Taylor wanders back to the corridor, and Gray turns his burning gray gaze to me. Crap, have I done something wrong? I wondered if you'd join me for a coffee this morning. My heart slams into my mouth. A date? Christian Gray is asking me on a date. He's asking if you want coffee. Maybe he thinks you haven't woken up yet. My subconscious whines at me is in a sneering mood again. I clear my throat, trying to control my nerves. I have to drive everyone home, I murmur apologetically, twisting my hands and fingers in front of me. Taylor, he calls, making me jump. Taylor, who had been retreating down the corridor, turns and heads back towards us. Are they based at the university? Gray asks, his voice soft and inquiring. I nod, too stunned to speak. Taylor can take them. He's my driver. We have a large 4 by 4 here, so he'll be able to take the equipment, too. Mr. Gray, Taylor asks when he reaches us, giving nothing away. Please, can you drive the photographer, his assistant, and Miss Cavanaugh back home? Certainly, sir, Taylor replies. There, now you can join me for coffee. Gray smiles as if it's a done deal. I frown. Um, Mr. Gray, um, this really... Look, Taylor doesn't have to drive him home. I flash a brief look at Taylor, who remains stoically impassive. I'll swap vehicles with Kate if you give me a moment. Gray smiles, a dazzlingly unguarded, natural, all-teeth-showing, glorious smile. Oh, my. He opens the door of the suite so I can go in. I scoot around him to re-enter the room, finding Catherine to deep conversation with Jose. Anna, I think he definitely likes you, she says with no preamble whatsoever. Jose glares at me with disapproval. But I don't trust him, she adds. I raise my hand and up and hope that she'll stop talking. By some miracle, she does. 
Kate, if you take Wanda, can I take your car? Why? Christian Gray has asked me to go out for coffee with him. Her mouth pops open. Speechless Kate. I savor the moment. She grabs me by the arm and drags me to the bedroom that's off the living area of the suite. Anna, there's something about him. His tone is full of warning. He's gorgeous, I agree, but I think he's dangerous, especially for someone like you. What do you mean, someone like me, I demand, affronted. An innocent like you, Anna. You know what I mean, she says a little irritated, I flush. Kate, it's just coffee. I'm starting my exams this week, and I need to study so I won't be long. She purses her lips as if considering my request. Finally, she fishes her car keys out of her pocket and hands them to me. I hand her mine. I'll see you later. Don't be long, or I'll send out a search and rescue. Thanks. I hug her. I emerge from the suite to find Christian Grey waiting, leaning up against the wall, looking like a male model in a pose for some glossy high-end magazine. Okay, let's do coffee, I murmur, flushing a, be flushing a beet red. He grins. After you, Miss Steele, he stands up straight, holding his hand out for me to go first. I make my way down to the corridor, my knees shaking, my stomach full of butterflies, and my heart in my mouth thumping a dramatic, uneven beat. I'm going to have coffee with Christian Gray, and I hate coffee. We walk together down the wide hotel corridor to the elevator. What should I say to him? My mind is suddenly paralyzed with apprehension. What are we going to talk about? What on earth do I have in common with him? His soft, warm voice startles me out of my revere. How long have you known Catherine Kavanaugh? Oh, an easy question for starters. Since our freshman year, she's a good friend. Hmm, he replies noncommittally. What's he thinking? At the elevators, he presses the call button, and the bell rings almost immediately. The doors slide open, revealing a young couple in a passionate embrace inside. Surprised and embarrassed, they jump apart, staring guiltily in every direction but ours. Gray and I step into the elevator. I'm struggling to maintain a straight face, so I gaze down at the floor, feeling my cheeks turning pink. When I peek up at Gray through my lashes, he has a hint of a smile on his lips, but it's very hard to tell. The young couple says nothing as we travel down to the first floor in an embarrassed silence. We don't even have a bland, piped elevator music to distract us. The doors open, and much to my surprise, Gray takes my hand, clasping it with his long, cool fingers. I feel a current run through me, and I'm already rapid heartbeat accelerates. As he leads me out of the elevator, we can hear the suppressed giggles of the couple erupting behind us. Gray grins. What is it about elevators, he mutters. We cross the expansive, bustling hobby of the hotel toward the entrance, but Gray avoids, the, Gray avoids the revolving door, and I wonder if that's because he'd have to let go of my hand. Outside, it's mild May Sunday. The sun is shining, and the traffic is light. Gray turns left and strolls to the corner where we wait for the crosswalk to change. He's still holding my hand. I'm in the street, and Christian Gray is holding my hand. No one has ever held my hand. I feel giddy and tingle all over. I attempt to smother the ridiculous grin that threatens to split my face in two. Try to be cool, Anna. My subconscious implores me. The green man appears, and we're off again. We walk four blocks before we reach the Portland Coffee House, where Gray releases me to hold the door open so I can step inside. Why don't you choose a table while I get the drinks? What would you like? He asks, polite as ever. I'll have, um, English breakfast tea? Bag out? He raises his eyebrows. No coffee? 
I'm not keen on coffee. He smiles. Okay, bag out tea. Sugar? For a moment, I'm stunned, thinking it's an endearment. But fortunately, my subconscious kicks in with pursed lips. No, stupid, do you take sugar? No, thanks. I stare down at my knotted fingers. Anything to eat? No, thank you. I shake my head as he heads to the counter. I surreptitiously gaze at him from beneath my lasses. As he stands in line waiting to be served, I can watch him all day. He's tall, broad-shouldered, and slim. The way those pants hang from his hips. Oh, my. Once or twice he runs his long, graceful fingers through his now dry but still disorderly hair. Hmm, I'd like to do that. The thought comes unbidden to my mind, and my face flames. I bite my lip and stare down at my hands, not liking where my wayward thoughts are headed. Penny for your thoughts, Gray's back, startling me. I go crimson. I was just thinking about running my fingers through your hair and wondering if you'd like, like it if it would feel soft. I shake my head. He's carrying a tray, which he sets down on the small, round, birch veneer table. He hands me a cup and saucer, a small teapot, and a side plate bearing a long tea bag t- labeled Twining's English Breakfast. My favorite. He has a coffee that bears a wonderful leaf pattern imprinted in the milk. How do they do that? I wonder idly. He also bought himself a blueberry muffin. Putting the tray aside, he sits opposite me and crosses his long legs. He looks so comfortable, so at ease with his body. I envy him. Here's me, all gawky and uncoordinated, barely able to get from A to B without falling flat on my face. Your thoughts, he prompts me. This is my favorite tea. My voice is quiet, breathy. I simply can't believe I'm sitting opposite Christian Gray in a coffee shop in Portland. He frowns. He knows I'm hiding something. I pop the tea bag into the teapot and almost immediately fish it out again with my teaspoon. As I place the used tea bag back on the side plate, he cocks his head, gazing quizzically at me. I like my tea black and weak, I mutter as an explanation. I see. Is he your boyfriend? Whoa, what? Who? The photographer, Jose Rodriguez. I laugh, nervous but curious. What gave him that impression? No. Jose's just a good friend of mine. That's all. Why do you think he was my boyfriend? The way you smiled at him, and he at you, his gaze holds mine. He's so unnerving. I want to look away, but I'm caught, spellbound. He's more like family, I whisper. Gray nods, seemingly satisfied with my response, and glazing down at his blueberry muffin. His long fingers deftly peel back the paper, and I watch, fascinated. Do you want some? he asks, and that amused, secret smile is back. No, thanks, I frown and stare down at my hands again. And the boy I met yesterday, at the store. He's not your boyfriend? No, Paul's just a friend. I told you yesterday. Oh, this is getting silly. Why do you ask? You seem nervous about men. Holy crap, that's personal. Just nervous around you, Gray. I find you intimidating. I flush scarlet, but mentally pat myself on the back for my candor and gaze at my hands again. I hear his sharp intake of breath. You should find me intimidating, he nods. You're very honest. Please don't look down. I like to see your face. Oh. I glance at him, and he gives me an encouraging but wry smile. It gives me some sort of clue what you might be thinking, he breathes. 
You're a mystery, Miss Steele. Mysterious? Me? There's nothing mysterious about me. I think you're very self-contained, he murmurs. Am I? Wow, how am I managing that? This is bewildering. Me. Self-contained. No way. Except when you blush, of course, which is often. I feel, I wish, just wish I knew what you were blushing about. He pops a small piece of muffin into his mouth and starts to chew it slowly, not taking his eyes off me. As if on cue, I blush. Crap. Do you always make such personal observations? I hadn't realized I was. Have I offended you? He sounds surprised. No, I answer truthfully. Good. But you're very high-handed. He raises his eyebrows as if I'm not mistaken. Flushes slightly, too. I'm used to getting my own way, Anastasia, he murmurs. In all things. I don't doubt it. Why haven't you asked me to call you by your first name? I'm surprised at my audacity. Why has this conversation become so serious? This isn't going the way I thought it was going to go. I can't believe I'm feeling so antagonistic towards him. It's like he's trying to ward me off. The only people who use my given name are my family and a few close friends. That's the way I like it. Oh. He still hasn't said, call me Christian. He is in control of freak. There was no other explanation, and a part of me is thinking maybe it would have been better if Kate had interviewed him. Two control freaks together, plus of course she's almost blonde, well, strawberry blonde, like all women in his office, and she's beautiful, my subconscious reminds me. I don't like the idea of Christian and Kate. I take a sip of my tea, and Gray eats another small piece of his muffin. Are you an only child? he asks. Whoa, he keeps changing direction. Yes. Tell me about your parents. Why does he want to know this? It's so dull. My mom lives in Georgia with her new husband, Bob. My stepdad lives in Montesano. Your father? My father died when I was a baby. I'm sorry, he mutters, and a fleeting, troubled look crosses his face. I don't remember him. And your mother remarried? <laughs> I snort. You could say that. He frowns at me. You're not giving much away, are you? He says dryly, rubbing his chin as if deep in thought. Neither are you. You've interviewed me once already, and I can recollect some quite probing questions then, he smirks at me. Holy shit, he's remembering the gay question. Once again, I'm mortified. In years to come, I know I'll need intensive therapy to not feel this embarrassed every time I recall the moment. I start babbling about my mother, anything to block the memory. My mom's wonderful. She's an incurable romantic. She's currently on her fourth husband. Christian raises his eyebrows in surprise. I miss her, I continued. She has Bob now. I just hope he can keep an eye on her and pick up the pieces where her harebrained schemes don't go as planned. I smile fondly. I haven't seen my mom for so long. Christian is watching me intently, taking occasional sips of his coffee. I really shouldn't look at his mouth. It's unsettling. Do you get along with your stepfather? Of course, I grew up with him. He's the only father I know. And what's he like? Ray? He's... Tacturn. I shrug. What does this man expect, my life's story? Tacturn. Like his stepdaughter, Gray prompts. I refrain from rolling my eyes at him. He likes soccer, European soccer especially, and bowling, and fly fishing, and making furniture. He's a carpenter. 
Ex-Army, I sigh. You lived with him? Yes. My mom met husband number three when I was 15. I stayed with Ray. He frowns as if he doesn't understand. You didn't want to live with your mom, he asks. This is really none of his business. Husband number three lived in Texas. My home was in Montesano, and, you know, my mom was newly married. I stop. My mom never talks about husband number three. Where is Greg going with this? This is none of his business. Two can play at this game. Tell me about your parents, I ask. He shrugs. My dad's a lawyer. My mom is a pediatrician. They live in Seattle. Oh, he has an affluent upbringing. And now I wonder about a successful couple who adopts three kids and one of them turns into a beautiful man who takes on the business of business world and conquers it single-handed. What drove him to be that anyway? His folks must be proud. What do your siblings do? Elliot's in construction and my little sister is in Paris, studying cookery under some renowned French chef. His eyes cloud with irritation. He doesn't want to talk about his family or himself. I hear Paris is lovely, I murmur. Why doesn't he want to talk about his family? Is it because he's adopted? It's beautiful. Have you been? He asks, his irritation forgotten. I've never left mainland USA, so now we're back to banalities. What's he hiding? Would you like to go? To Paris? I squeak. This has thrown me. Who wouldn't want to go to Paris? Of course, I concede. But it's England that I'd really like to visit. He cocks his head to one side, running his index finger across his lower lip. Oh my. Because? I blink rapidly, concentrate steel. It's the home of Shakespeare, Austin and the Bronte sisters, Thomas Hardy. I'd like to see the places that inspired those people to write such wonderful books. All this talk of literary greats reminds me that I should be studying. I glance at my watch. I'd better go. I have to study. For your exams? Yes, they start Tuesday. Where's Miss Kavanaugh's car? In the hotel parking lot. I'll walk you back. Thank you for the tea, Mr. Gray. He smiles his odd, I've got a whooping big secret smile. You're welcome, Anastasia. It's my pleasure. Come. He commands and holds his hand out to me. I take it, bemused, and follow him out, to the co out of the coffee shop. We stroll back to the hotel, and I'd like to say it's in companion companionable silence. He at least looks at his usual calm, collected self. As for me, I'm desperately trying to gauge how our little coffee morning has gone. I feel like I've been interviewed for a job, but I'm not sure what for. Do you always wear jeans? He asks out of the blue. Mostly. He nods. We're back at the intersection across the road from the hotel. My mind is reeling. What an odd question. And I'm aware that our time together is limited. This is it. This was it. And I've completely blown it, I know. Perhaps he has someone. Do you have a girlfriend? I blurt out. Holy crap, I just said that out loud. His lips quirk up in a half smile, and he peers down at me. No, Anastasia, I do not have the girlfriend thing, he says softly. Oh, what does that mean? He's not gay. Okay, maybe he is. He must have lied to me in his interview. And for a moment... I think he's going to follow up with some explanation, some clue to this cryptic statement, but he doesn't. I have to go. I have to try to reassemble my thoughts. I have to get away from him. I walk forward and I trip. 
stumbling headlong into the road. Shit, Anna! Gray cries. He tugs the hand that he's holding so hard I fall back against him just as a cyclist whips past, narrowly missing Annie, missing me, heading the wrong way up the one-way street. It all happened so fast. One minute I'm falling, the next I'm in his arms, and he's holding me tightly against his chest. I inhale his clean, wholesome scent. He smells of freshly laundered linen and some expensive body wash. It's intoxicating. I inhale deeply. Are you okay? He whispers. He has one arm around me, clasping me to him, while the fingers of his other hand softly trace my face, gently probing, examining me. His thumb brushes my lower lip, and his breath hitches. He's staring into my eyes, and I hold his anxious, burning gaze for a moment, or maybe it's forever. But eventually my attention is drawn to his beautiful mouth. For the first time in twenty-one years, I want to be kissed. I want to feel his mouth on mine. Well, there you have it. Chapter three of Fifty Shades of Grey. And we're left with not exactly Christian being shrugged off. Instead, Anna desperately wants to be kissed after 21 long years. So, will Christian kiss her? Will listeners hate this chapter almost as much as they hated the last? What is the point of this podcast anyway? All your questions will be answered on Sunday night with episode 6 and more discussion. Stay tuned. Doing It by the Book is written and produced by Jane Austier. Original music is composed and performed by Daniel Lott. For more information, check out DLO Games on YouTube. DIBTB is a scholarly pursuit of literary criticism in romance novels. At its core, the podcast is purely educational and academic. I do not take ownership of the chapters or books read on the podcast, and they are completely the product of the author. Neither I nor any of the guest hosts receive any monetary compensation, accept donations, or seek profit for our work or performance on this podcast. If you would like to hear more from DIBTB, you can follow me on Twitter at Jane Austere, email me at DIBTBpodcast at gmail.com, or check out my website, DIBTBpodcast.blogspot.com.